everybody. Welcome to The Kelly O Show. I'm your host, Kelly Alexa. This show is dedicated to inspiring women of all ages to pursue excellence in mind, body, and business. After decades of playing small in my own life and staying in the comfort zone, a couple of years of massive chaos and drama in my personal and my professional life forever changed me for the better. Through some tough lessons, I evolved and I became a stronger and more confident version of myself, fearless and finally, unapologetically myself. I am now designing my life bigger and better than ever before. And most importantly, I'm designing a life on my terms that is full of joy and happiness. And I think that this is something that's been missing for so many women. They're either staying in the comfort zone like I was Or they've got a life that looks pretty good on the outside, but it's missing real joy and health and happiness. And that is no bueno. I believe that the future is female. And every week, this show is going to bring you incredible interviews and live shows that I hope is going to motivate you to take massive action in your life, to leave the comfort zone and go all in again to pursue achieving excellence in mind, body, and in business. I hope you enjoy the show and let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Kelly O Show. On today's episode, this is a two-part episode, we've got Dr. Jessa Zimmerman, who is a sex therapist based out of Seattle, Washington. Now, if you're listening to this and going, why does Kelly have a sex therapist on the show? I have wanted to launch this uh, love and intimacy series, sex, love, and intimacy series for quite a while. And the reason is not simply to be provocative and and get some link bait titles out there, but really because the more you understand about love and sex and intimacy, and the more that you hear some of these experts that we're going to have on the show, the more you'll understand it's really all tied back to health and longevity anyway. When we don't have um, when we're not having, you know, regular sex, when we are not experiencing the joy of true intimacy and connection with another human being, um, when we don't, when we're not in tune with our own bodies, um, we are missing out on a tremendous amount of health and health benefits, stress reduction. Um, not to mention the fact, let's just be real, you know, when you do have a positive, loving, intimately fulfilling relationship with another human being, um, it's it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. There's a lot of joy and pleasure there. Um, but obviously, again, what we also want to call attention to is the fact that this is beneficial from a health perspective. Um, it You'll start to learn more about how um, intimacy and sexual pleasure um, also affect your hormones in a positive way, um, how this affects you as you age. It, it helps with the aging process for sure. And, you know, again, there's so many people, this is probably what was, for me, the embryonic phases of going, you know, me thinking we had to have this series on the show is I just observed so many people over the years who had, you know, I just, I would observe a lot of women and men, um, bitching about their relationships, bitching about how there was no sex, there was no intimacy, there was no romance. And, what I realized or what I observed is here's all these people complaining about their relationship, complaining about the other person behind the other person's back and not doing anything to fix it. And so I think that this first interview 
this is a two-part interview with Dr. Zimmerman, is going to address a lot of those issues. Why why does that happen? Why why do we get to these points in relationships where two people are not communicating about the elephant in the room? Um, why is one person, you know, completely unhappy? The other person seems to be okay with the negative turn that the relationship has taken. And I think Jessa does a tremendous job of explaining that um, and providing next steps. You know, how do you start taking steps to communicate better? Because really at the, at the heart and soul of a better, more intimate, more connected um, sexual relationship is just that. It is communication. And that is what so many relationships are lacking in, whether it's at the, you know, foundational level, or also when we're talking specifically about sex, love and intimacy, specifically. So I learned a lot. I think, you know, I don't want to say I think Jessa is incredibly articulate. She really knows her stuff. I can't wait to have her back on. I I love the way she explained certain things and also gave guidance as to, you know, and her her focus when you go to her website, you'll see is is all about sex without the stress, which I love. So, you are going to learn quite a lot in this two-part episode. So, I encourage you to sit back. Um again, this is probably something that you don't necessarily want to be playing out loud. If you're listening to this in quarantine and you've got kids around, um, just know that we are talking about um, some PG-13 topics, if you will. We will definitely have more guests on the show coming up in this Sex, Love, and Intimacy series. If you have anybody that you would like to recommend we interview, if you've read a great book, if you have an author or somebody that you know is a fantastic practitioner in any of these areas, please let us know. You can just use the contact me form on kellyolexa.com to uh, nominate the those people that we interview on the show. And then of course, same thing. If you have questions in any area of, you know, sex, love, and intimacy, we're going to be talking about, you know, doctors, we're going to be talking about, oh, we're going to be talking with OBGYNs. We're going to be talking about vaginal health. We're going to be talking about everything and anything in regards to sex, love, and intimacy to encourage people to have a healthy relationship with their own bodies, a healthy relationship with somebody else, being, being able to communicate more so that you can experience greater intimacy, more pleasure, which is going to benefit your health and your happiness in the long run. And that's what we want. So if you have questions and you'd like to see us cover those, use the same contact me form on kellyalexa.com. Please know that your name and contact information, of course, will be held confidential. We would never reveal your name or contact information unless you gave us explicit permission to do so on the air. So sit back, enjoy. This is a two-part interview. It's a little over 50 minutes with Dr. Jessa Zimmerman, sex therapist based out of Seattle, Washington. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Kelly O Show. As stated before, I've got Jessa Zimmerman, who is a sex therapist with us on the show today. And I'm really thrilled about this whole sex, love, and intimacy series that we are uh, launching here on the show because so many of you have written in to me privately uh, with your questions. And I know that this series is going to be tremendously helpful. And just from what I've chatted with Jessa about before the show, I know that this is going to be a tremendously helpful and insightful show for all of you. So Jessa, welcome to the show. Are you ready to go? I am. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, I'm thrilled, and I'm also glad to hear uh, for everybody listening, she is up in Seattle, and we're recording this on April 8th. Um, so I was asking her, you know, how are things with coronavirus, and it looks like things. I have heard that on the news, but she was also confirming that things are looking better up in Seattle, and they were one of the first states to have, you know, crazy, like, you know, a crazy spread. So it's really good to hear that. And I, I know you're looking forward to getting out like all of us, but for now let's podcast away. There's a lot of people listening who have never had any experience either talking about sex, um, talking about intimacy, either with a professional or just in general. And, and when we've polled our audience, we've definitely heard that from upwards of 75 to 85% of them. So tell people what you do as a sex therapist. Well, the first point I always want to make is that sex therapy is talk therapy, because uh, I think sometimes people are confused about that. There is no touch. There's no nudity. There's no sex stuff happening in the office um, or remotely now these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's like regular therapy, but with somebody who has had a ton of training uh, about sex, how it works and how it doesn't, sexual functioning and anatomy and gender identity and all kinds of things and then um, sexual health issues. Mm. So it's, it's, you know, so it's going to be really explicit about sex. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of talk it's going to include. It often has, you know, what you might consider homework (laughs) because Mm -hmm. if you're really going to address your sex life, you do need to do things in that arena. So those don't happen in the office, right? Those happen in between sessions. And I guess I'd also just say it's really important to get somebody who's certified in sex therapy because it's not a controlled term. Anybody outside of the state of Florida, uh, any therapist can say they do sex therapy, but it doesn't mean they've had any training at all. So look for somebody certified. And is this with, with sex therapy, is this something where somebody could go, you know, like you would go to a therapist, uh, you know, I've, I've gone to a therapist. In fact, I need to look for a new one in San Antonio. I had a great one in Austin, but you can go by yourself, but you can also go as for sex therapy for couples, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can go by yourself. In my practice, I work exclusively with couples. Okay. So at this point, that's all I do. And if you are in a relationship, I would definitely advise that you go together because, you know, sex is a two-person situation. Even, you know, I have people contact me and they think they're the one with the issue. They're the one that's had trauma or they're the one that's having trouble with erections or whatever. But your relationship affects sex. And then the sexual problems affect the relationship. Like you can't really take sex out of the context of the rest of your relationship. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, it's really important to work as a team on this, no matter what the problem appears to be. But if you're single, um, certainly you can do individual sex therapy as well. And, you know, this brings up a good point. Would you say that, um, you know, I've often heard this said about couples therapy that isn't sex specific, right? That, you know, you don't just go when you have a problem, you know, you can go to counseling or therapy um, to, to strengthen your, your relationship proactively. Would you say that's appropriate for sex therapy as well? That you don't just go when you have a problem? Um, potential, uh, potentially, I, I guess I'd say maybe you'd want the hint of a problem, <laughs> you know, like to have some sort of question or some aspect that you're looking to improve, even if it doesn't seem problematic or broken. And certainly the earlier you go in for help, the better, because I mean, I just have this experience so often with whether it's about sex or just regular couples counseling kind of topics. If these are really long standing entrenched problems, it's much harder um, you know, it takes longer to fix. It's a bigger deal than if you go in and get help right away. 
Mm. You're not creating, you know, years of damage or disconnection or resentment or all these other sort of cascading effects. So really at the first sign of difficulty, it might be useful to go see the professional right away. And then maybe you only have to meet with them once or twice, you know, get a couple of ideas and some suggestions in an environment that you can talk about it and you're off and running. So Mm. I have, I have a lot of questions um, Okay, and, and I have a lot of questions because I, I've observed a lot of things that frankly make, make me tilt my head. And, and, and so I'm going to like ask a basic question that I think might apply across the board. And so here, here's my observation. I'm in a lot of groups, um, whether it's through my businesses or just, um, health, wellness, fitness groups, whatever groups, you know, Facebook groups, we're all in like a million different Facebook groups. (laughs) Yes. And I'm just so happened to have been exposed to a lot of, you know, topics that come up that are very random, but they'll, they'll end up being, um, discussions around, um, I distinctly remember one in one group, they posted something about Suzanne Summers and she was talking about, you know, her wonderful sex life. And I'm trying to think of how old she is. If she's 70s in her seventies and her husband's in his eighties, they're talking about how, you know, crazy great their sex life is. And all these women in this group were like, ah, I mean, like their comments were like, who's got time for that? That's nasty. I'm lucky if, if my husband and I have sex once a month. Um, I, you know, I've got two kids, I work full time, all of these, I mean, literally I would say 80% of the comments were women not wanting to have sex, thinking Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous that a woman would be saying, oh, we have sex, you know, at least once a day, something to that effect. Um, rolling their eyes, complaining that their husband would want to have sex, and then using excuses like, I have a job, therefore I can't have sex. Right. I have kids, therefore I can't have sex. You know, all of these things. And, and of course, I chimed in because I'm thinking, you know, what's the number one thing women bitch about with men? That they cheat on you. And it's like, here's a, legions of women who are like, basically like, I don't ever want to have an intimate life with you. I don't mm-hmm. understand that concept in general, like why you wouldn't want intimacy. And that's going to be a topic we're going to cover today, because I'm sure that there's layers there. But, you know, I just see a lot of, of women, you know, who, who are like, I, I can't have sex. I, I, I don't know why my husband wants it all the time. And they act like it's a chore. Is that something that you see a lot with couples? And, and, and do you see that there's like an underlying common theme as to those types of, those groups of women that, that are saying those messages out there? Like, I don't want it. Why does he want it all the time? I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I don't, you know, that's gross. Is that something you see commonly where, you know, the guy's wanting it, the woman's not, and, and she's just acting like it's a chore versus something that should be enjoyed between two people? Oh my gosh, I could talk for an hour straight. <laughs> what you just said. So I'm trying to decide, okay, how do, how do I break this down? There, there's well, and just, we'll have you back on the show too. Yeah, if, if I, I think I'm going to have to already. It's like, there's just too much to talk about. All right, so let me think about where I want to start. So yes, this is something I see, um, but it's not always women. Really? Okay, so yeah. So it, it, first of all, same-sex relationships also have these issues. So there is always what we call a desire discrepancy. There's always one person more interested in sex than the other, at least over time, because why would any two people want exactly the same amount of sex, right? So that is a reality. 
um, so that's not a problem. That's not broken. That's normal. But people get sort of stuck in what I call the traps of desire discrepancy. And this is sort of part of my um, part of my first pillar of my program, my Sex Without Stress program, is understanding like this new paradigm. How do you understand why you've been stuck? And then how to think about this differently. So people struggle in their role as a lower desire partner, right? Mm-hmm. Or as a higher desire partner. So the higher desire partner tends to feel rejected. You know, the lower desire partner tends to feel pressured. That's, that's a natural reaction. Mm-hmm. That's where people get caught, right? Then we add on sort of all the complicating factors that will get in the way of desire, especially for the lower desire partner. Children, stress, jobs, body image, fatigue, hormonal changes, uh, illness, uh, trauma, you know, all kinds of things make sex more difficult. So I've almost gotten to the point where I'm kind of amazed anybody can successfully have sex because there's so many things that make it difficult. And those are real. Those are not just made up. Those really are in people's way. So when when women are saying, I've got a job, I've got kids, you know, that's real. That's creating an obstacle for them. Mm. Some of these we can address, you know, we can, we can um, get a lock on our door. We might be able to shift the house, house duties or something, or we can do more uh, self-care, mindfulness to bring our stress levels down, you know, but some of it we can't change. We've, we've gone through menopause, there's physical changes or, or whatever, you know, there, there's some illness involved, whatever it is, some of it we have to adapt to, but those are real things. Those are real blocks for people. You know, but the, the real key, I guess, is to, to try to create a conversation between two people and get you both on board to work together <laughs> to create as good a sex life as you can have, given the pieces you've got, you know, whatever your reality is. So what I hear partly in, in these responses in this Facebook group is people responding, I, I guess, like, you know, I don't want sex and, and kind of screw my partner. I don't care if yeah. they're suffering, right? Like I've got no motivation to try to deal with this with them. They should just get over it. <laughs> that's yeah. that's not being a um, a good partner, you know, who cares that your, your partner's suffering, missing this in your relationship. And, um, you know, ultimately we want to work as a team to make it so you can want as much sex as you might want. Like everybody's got different levels of desire. There's no amount that's right or wrong. But let's try to remove the obstacles and give you access to desire. I tell my clients this all the time. It's not like I want you to have more sex. I want you to want as much sex as you could want. Right? That's, that's good, not that's, that's not threatening, right? People get really resistant. Let's say you're just gonna try to get me to have sex, or that's what they think their partner's doing, you know? It's like, no, 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 I'm trying to help you want it. Why would you and I this is a, a blanket question, but um, you know, I've certainly been exposed to a lot of women who just seem to like, again, it's almost like I I would say, here is a piece of shit sandwich, please eat it. You know, like they're like, (laughs) I I don't want anything to do with that. And they don't, they don't get it. And and I I will. So just, just to be for full transparency and people that follow me, no, I'm very transparent. I, I've been somebody who has always wanted sex. I don't think I've ever been in a time period in my life where I, I didn't want to have sex. I will also say that, you know, it, I, I can definitely understand what it's, how much things change 
Number one, when you're in a relationship where you're just crazy passionately in love with somebody and you are communicating, because I would say for 75% of my adult life, when I was sexually active, there was no communication. I never had anybody ask me what I wanted. I never knew what I wanted. (laughs) I never... I didn't, for me, sex was when I was younger, it was more about conquering like a notch on my belt, like, oh, I've been with that guy. And Mm. it just, there was, I didn't know pleasure, right? There's complete, it's completely different. So I'm coming at this from, I don't, I don't understand women who don't want to be intimate with their partner because I just think, why would you not want that? But my question to you, Jessa, is do you, in your experience, have a lot, a lot of women that are coming to you that, that have that, like, oh, this is a shit sandwich thing. Is it because they've never had good sex or is it something else? Well, it could be a lot of things. And again, this isn't, I mean, I know the show is mostly towards women, so I will answer it that way, but I just, men can be lower desire partners. Men can struggle with sexual desire, but there's a few different things that could be going on. So first of all, if a woman has had trauma, sexual trauma in her past, or potentially raised in a way to think really negatively about sex, that kind of thing, instilled from the beginning that sex is a bad or dangerous thing, that could certainly be a a major block, right? So they may never have wanted sex because they've had that barrier from the very, very beginning. Um, It is also possible that if if a woman never had good sex, you know, never had a a situation where they care about her pleasure or knew her own or had that room to explore, that that would also, you know, she has yet to discover (laughs) that sex can be this wonderful thing. More common than that, though, is a shift in the way that our libido works. So some people will feel like they've never had desire ever. But for a lot of people, they used to want sex, but now they don't. So, and and this is another like major critical teaching in in, uh, my program in this new paradigm is to understand this. There are kind of two different, basically two different ways of having desire. So one of them I call proactive. This is where sex is on your mind. You are thinking about it. You might be fantasizing it. You get horny. You you know, it's like, I would like to make this happen, (laughs) you know, and that's what we think of as libido and sex drive, right? That's what we expect to feel. Okay, but you can also have what I call reactive sex drive. So this is where sex is not on your mind. You're not spontaneously interested in this. You don't get horny. You're not thinking about it. You know, like I've had clients tell me, I could probably go the whole rest of my life without sex and be just fine, right? Like there's no intrinsic drive coming like that. It's almost but, like it's neutral. Is that what yeah, you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, just not on your mind. I'd rather sleep, you know, like no big deal. <laughs> I, I just never feel a drive for this. But if you've got going, if you're in a good relationship, the context is good, right? You start, you're talking, massaging, kissing, touching, whatever. You get the time you need, you get the touch you need, your body starts to respond. It's like, oh, now I'm starting to get turned on. Now I'd like sex. Mm-hmm. That is totally normal. There's nothing broken with that, but it's a different way of experiencing desire. It's like the desire doesn't show up until after you've become aroused and you've had to do things to make that happen. Okay. Yeah. So when I describe that to people, they often say, oh, well, yeah, that happens. (laughs) You know, they recognize that, but they don't think of that as sex drive, but it is. It's just a different type. And you have to accommodate that differently in your relationship. You have to create, you know, it takes opportunity, right? You get to start. Um. And it also takes 
like flexibility because you don't know just because you start that you're going to end up wanting sex. So it's not, it's like what I call the big maybe. Sex is not a yes or a no. It's like, let's just fool around and see what happens. Hmm. If it turns into sex, cool. If it doesn't, that's got to be okay too. And that can be an adjustment for a couple, right? So you have to work with this differently. But for a lot of people that are saying they just don't have interest in sex, they're in this camp. This is what's happening for them. Hmm. And you know, it's funny. I, I was telling my man the other day, there's a gentleman that I interviewed on the show. He's an OBGYN and uh, Dr. Sean Tassone. I'll have to make sure I link that up. But um, he was talking, he brought it up and it wasn't that this was the topic, but I quote him all the time because I think that this is really cool because you actually earlier, you were saying the women that, that are, are saying, you know, Hey, I've got kids, I've got a job, I've got, you know, all of this stuff. I don't have time. Like that's very real for them. It might be yeah. that if they were like you just said in the reactive sense, if those women who are using those things as excuse that, that make women like me roll my eyes and go, come on, like, <laughs> like, like those women, if they got into, if they, if they had all those things removed and they were able to be romanced and touched and, you know, caressed and they, th- then they would be a responsive partner and, and right. they aren't right. But, um, what Dr. Tassone had said, he's like, look, from for all you guys out there that want your partner to have sex, stop, you know, guilting her into it. Offer to do the dishes for her. Because <laughs> if you like, and I and it was, I thought he was just being funny, but then I took a step back and I'm like, you know what? That's so simple, but it's so profound. Like yeah. help her out instead of making her, you know, and I think some people just don't even think about how they message. And a lot of and I'm sure it happens in same sex relationships as well, you know, but I've, I've observed it, you know, in, in other couples where the guy is like making snide comments about how he never gets sex. And I'm thinking, have you ever heard the term you get more bees with honey? Like, how's that working out for you? Bitch, <laughs> yeah, that's, your wife that's never put out. right. Making each other feel broken or bad is going to be another obstacle to desire that you may get your partner to show up and let you have sex with them, but you are not going to, you know, have an engaging uh, sexual relationship and you can't sustain that over time. Eventually that person is going to stop. That's going to be so off putting and, you know, basically becomes toxic. What you want is how do you help your partner actually want sex? And, and a conversation about that is crucial. Like, sure, I could be willing to do the dishes, but is that really helpful? Is that going to free you up? Like, you know, how do we work together in this to move any obstacles that we can? I, and, you know, you brought that up and it, it really is, it's obviously, but it's it's worth repeating several times in this in this show and going forward that the, the key huge differentiator that, that can be a game changer or life changing in any relationship and certainly in an intimate relationship is communication. And like you said, starting a conversation and what, what I've observed, and I'm going to give you a unique perspective maybe is, you know, as somebody who was single most of my life, like I didn't get married to my starter husband until I was 38, I think 37. Um, so for most of my adult life, I was single and, it, you know, I worked in corporate America before becoming an entrepreneur. So I was always in the business world, traveling a lot. And I was always kind of like the token, um, single, attractive woman. Mm-hmm. And I would get hit on by married men all the time. And I would joke yeah. because I'm like, could I just have a single guy my age <laughs> ask me out? And it, right. the, only, the only people that ever asked me out were men. But here's what's funny is I would... 
I've even said this to my man. I'm like, the men that I would that would hit on me, it, they would they would so compartmentalize their marriages that you know, like they would say, well, my wife and I never have sex, and they would say it so matter of factly as if. Well, she doesn't mow the lawn, so we hire someone to to mow the lawn. They're like, right, my right. wife doesn't have sex, so I just go get it somewhere else. And they yeah. they didn't feel guilty. They didn't feel like they were cheating. They didn't feel like they were having a relationship. But they also, I would ask them, I'm like, have you ever brought this up? Oh no, she, you know, that's my right. wife. She's the mother of my kids. Is that something common as well that you don't see people that are so many people just avoid that that crucial part, which is starting the conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to talk about. You know, most of us talking about sex at all. Is, it's just not something we're raised to do. It's It doesn't happen in our culture. It's not modeled for us. You know, so maybe some people were lucky enough to come out of a household that talked about sex, but then did their partner, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you add in. So not only is the subject kind of taboo, but when people are struggling with sex, I, I don't even quite know how to put this in words. Like our sexuality is so essential, so primal to us. And we can feel so afraid and so broken that it just makes it that much harder to, to talk about. You know, you're going into territory where you feel broken or your partner feels broken, where you wonder if, you're, if your relationship is at stake. You know, it's just huge. So it's really, really hard. Now, in my therapy practice... I am, you know, people only come in because they've had some sort of conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they have at least agreed to go talk to somebody else about this, you know, so they've at least started to acknowledge that there's a problem. But I know that this is a huge obstacle. I mean, that's why I actually have a freebie about this, a whole guide to bringing up your sexual concerns with your partner, because I know it's a big deal. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So anyway, sexwithoutstress.com slash guide. People can download that and it's pages long, really. Um, to prepare for that conversation. And then when, how do you pick your time? How do you approach your partner about it? And then how do you stay in a conversation that can be constructive, you know, and try to minimize getting defensive or, you know, turning into conflict or tears. Hey everybody, this marks the end of part one of this two-part interview with Dr. Jessa Zimmerman. Make sure you tune in to part two.